Good morning. Uh, next Sunday, we will be back to meeting in-house at the church. Uh, we've kept up with the last couple weeks, and, and the numbers are down. Uh, so uh, we're excited to be able to see people in seats again. Now, we still need to be careful, and for sure those of you out there that still have concerns or uh, are still a little nervous about things, if you still want to do Facebook Live, uh, we strongly encourage that. Uh, we definitely encouraged, like we did our last time when we met, when we had our kids' uh, musical, that when you come, wear a mask into the building, uh, into to this, where you finally come in and get your seat. Uh, once you get seated, if you want to take your mask off, that'll be fine. But uh, uh, we do ask or encourage uh, that you wear your mask and interact with the mask, uh, and we continue to wear the stickers so that way you can be sensitive to to the people around you in in that way. So, but anyway, get the word out, family, friends, uh, those that are interested. Uh, we will be back meeting in house next Sunday, uh, and we're excited to do that. Uh, the last 10 days uh, have been very difficult. Uh, we had Tom Ramsey's funeral this past week, and so our church, uh, the last 10 days have, uh, have, has been in a grieving process, but not really able to do that together. So uh, we've, we've tried to be sensitive, and, and yet our, our message, our songs, uh, the last couple times has been kind of directed toward what's been going on and it reflects that a little bit today so anyway uh, we hope and pray that all of you are doing well and uh, that you're staying safe and that you're able to be back with us next Sunday we're looking forward to that so let's pray and then we'll get into to God's word Lord we love you we thank you that uh, in the valleys of this life, we're always able to see you at work. Sometimes it's a little bit further down the road when we're able to look back and see that you were with us and that you carried us. But still and yet, you're always with us. You never leave us or forsake us. And and we hang on to that promise. And so, Lord, we continue to need your love and encouragement as we move forward. And I pray that uh, as we move forward into a new year uh, and as we continue to face uh, differences with a pandemic, I pray that the constant would be that we would stay plugged into you and that we would stay focused on you and that our ministry would be to lift your name and to point people 
to you and your love. So I pray today because we have come together, even though it's online, that, that you would be glorified, that through your word and in your spirit, that we would grow closer to you and become more intimate because of this time together. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Going to look at several passages of scripture today in Exodus chapter 32. Uh, we see how Lord was leading the people to the promised land and they was ups and downs in that process. Uh, the people continuously uh, would have God moments, but then they would ask, why has God done this to us? Why has he taken us out of slavery only to bring us to, to situations that are going to kill us? And so uh, we see in, in this situation in Exodus 32, starting with verse 7, the Lord told Moses, quick, Go down the mountain. Your people whom you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. And how quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They have melted down gold and made a calf. And they have bowed down and sacrificed to it. And they are saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now, it's very clear who brought them out of the land of Egypt. And, and God provided provided many miracles, and yet when the people got impatient, when the people got scared, uh, they would do stupid things just like melting this gold and making a calf and saying that that calf was the reason that they escaped slavery. Verse 9, then the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are now. Leave me alone so my fierce anger can blaze against them, and I will destroy them. Then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. So he tells Moses that these people that he has freed from slavery, now he's going to destroy. Verse 11, but Moses tried to pacify the Lord his God. O oh Lord, he said, why are you so angry with your own people whom you brought from the land of Egypt with such great power and such a strong hand? Why let the Egyptians say their God rescued them with the evil intention of slaughtering them in the mountains and wiping them from the face of the earth? Turn away from your fierce anger. Change your mind about this terrible disaster you have threatened against your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You bound yourself with an oath to them, saying, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of heaven, and I will give them all of this land, and I have promised to your descendants, and they will possess it forever. In verse 14, so the Lord changed his mind about the terrible disaster he had threatened to bring on his people. Moses in the Old Testament went to God and, and, and he talked with God. And he said, Lord, here, here's, here's, here's what I see. And in their relationship, 
God listened to Moses. Now, that, that's a dynamic that sometimes we miss out today. Uh, God wants to hear from his people and he wants to hear how they're feeling. And sometimes we feel like, well, our prayers don't get above the ceiling or sometimes we feel like God doesn't answer prayers and yet we see even in the Old Testament how Moses went to God on behalf of the people and God listened to Moses. We see in Numbers chapter 14 pretty much a similar situation. They're getting closer uh, to this land of milk and honey, and there's still that up-and-down relationship. They had sent people in to look at the land and to, to, to really spy out to see who was there and what was going on. And when they come back, some were scared and said, hey, we can't do that. And, and only two said, yes, this is what we need to do. And in verse uh, chapter 14, we see the effects of this. Uh, then Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Two of the men who explored the land Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jehopheth, tore their clothing. And they said to all the people of Israel, the land we travel through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. Now he's saying if here, God's already told them that is their land, they would possess it. So, it was a done deal, and they're still discussing it. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord, and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. And then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites of the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me even after all the miraculous signs I've done among them? I will disown them and destroy them with a plague. Then I will make you into a great, a nation greater and mightier than they are. Here we go again, it's that same dynamic of, of the people not following what God had set before them. And it frustrated God to a point where in that relationship with Moses, he, he let him know that he, he'd just rather be done with them. But Moses objected. What would the Egyptians think when they hear about it, he asked the Lord. They know full well the power you displayed in rescuing your people from Egypt. Now if you destroy them, the Egyptians will send a report to the inhabitants of this land who have already heard that you live among your people. They know, Lord, that you have appeared to your people face to face and that your pillar of cloud hovers over them. They know that you go before them in the pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. 
Now, if you slaughter all these people with a single blow, the nations that have heard of your fame will say, the Lord was not able to bring them into the land he swore to give them, so he killed them in the wilderness. Please, Lord, prove that your power is great as you have claimed, for you said, the Lord is slow to anger and filled with unfailing love, forgiving every kind of sin and rebellion, but he does not excuse the guilty. He lays the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. In keeping with your magnificent, unfailing love, please pardon the sins of this people, just as you have forgiven them ever since they left Egypt. Back and forth, up and down. And then the Lord said, I will pardon them as you have requested, but as surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people will ever enter that land. They have all seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I performed both in Egypt and the wilderness, but again and again they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. They will never even see the land I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it, but my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I'll bring him into the land he explored, and his descendants will possess their full share of that land. Now, Moses again goes to God on behalf of the people. He intercedes, and a lot of times we intercede on behalf of of people. And God hears us. Sometimes we wonder. Now, in this case, it was a completely different dynamic because the people were rebelling against God. and, and, And God, there's always a cost when we sin. There's always a price to pay when we rebel against God. And we see, just like with Caleb, when you remain faithful, God honors and is faithful. And he let Caleb go into the land flowing with milk and honey. But we see in the Old Testament on two occasions, Moses going to God. And and God listened to Moses. In Jonah, the whole book of Jonah is a testament of, of God and his mercy and grace. Chapter 1, verse 1, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked its people are. Now, he tells Jonah to do this, and we all know that Jonah, when God told him that, he went in the complete opposite direction of where God wanted him to go. He ran. Because of that, Jonah faced some consequences, and God ends up getting Jonah's attention. So he speaks to Jonah a second time and gives him uh, another opportunity. He says, get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. And this time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command. He went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. And on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. That was the message God sent to Jonah. 
The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, took off his royal robes, he dressed himself in burlap, and sat on a heap of ashes. And then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. Not one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all of their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. Chapter 3, verse 10. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and he did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. In chapter 4, we see how this affects Jonah. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah and he became very angry. He was angry because God gave him a message. He went and he shared that message and then God didn't fulfill uh, that message. But what happened was the people cried out to God and they, they turned back to God. And because of that interaction, God changed his mind. And I'm thankful that, that we see and understand that, that God hears from his people. Now, in the last 10 days, I was going to God and asking God to change his mind if, it, if God's mind was on taking Tom Ramsey home. And I don't mind telling you that. And I know that my wife and I, Sharon, our staff, our home group leaders, and many in our church were, were praying for a miracle. And in essence, all of us were asking God to change his mind, to leave Tom here with us just for a little while longer. That, as his children, was our desire. But it wasn't God's will. Now, I understand when I was small, there was many times that I would talk to my mom or my dad or both, and I would change their mind about certain things, whether it was school or, or friends or whatever. But I can also look back, and there are times when I went to my mom my dad or both, and I didn't changed their mind. Things stayed the way they had said they would. And in a lot of cases, they would look at me and go, well, no, you don't understand now, but one day you will. And I always hated that. And here's the reality of that. As I've gotten older and as I've lived life, I've looked back on many of the things that my mom and dad taught and many of the things that my mom and dad did and now I do understand. 
it's easier to understand. It makes more sense today. And the Bible teaches, and I reflected on this scripture uh, last week, that our ways are not God's ways, our thoughts are not God's thoughts. But in his word and in our life, there are times when we go to God and we change his mind. On one particular instance, and it's one of the times that I know God answered my prayer. I had an uncle who lived with us. When I grew up, I uh, had mom, my dad, my grandmother, and my uncle lived with us. It was a, a dynamic that I thought everybody lived that way and later on found out that that wasn't the case. But anyway, when I was 12, 13 years old, my uncle got very, very sick. He was in the hospital. I couldn't go see him, but my mom and dad was preparing me. He was low. He, he wasn't going to make it. And I can remember the next two days praying earnestly, crying myself to sleep because I loved my uncle like a dad. And asking God to, to heal my uncle. Now, my uncle walked out of that hospital. And I believe with all my heart, I did then, that God heard my prayers. And because just me praying to him, I somehow changed his mind. I believed it then, and I believe it now. Well, why would he do that for my uncle and not for Tom? Today, I don't completely understand that. But in my relationship with God, I know that God sees a bigger picture than I see in my life, in my family's life in the life of North Point and in the life of the people here. And we see in these scriptures that same dynamic. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talking about a God moment and talking about uh, a thing that uh, having visions and them being between him and God. And he says in uh, chapter 12, verse 5, he says, this experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I receive such wonderful revelations from God. Now, he's talking about a God moment, and he's talking about the fact that because of that God moment, he could boast and come across as arrogant or proud, and he didn't want to do that. And we've talked about many God moments here at North Point Church to a point where we can point to them. We know it, it's that story that, that, that we tell over and over again, and we get excited about it, and we try to do that without being boastful. Paul said, and it was so strong on him that more than likely he would be boastful. So to keep me from becoming proud, Paul said, I was given a thorn in my flesh, 
a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. He, he had an issue. Uh, it's been debated. It's been studied. And nobody seems to know what that was. But he had an issue, a health issue, it seems. And, and three times in verse 8, three different times, I begged the Lord to take that away. Now, here's Paul whom we all know as a key figure in God's kingdom. Here's, here's Paul who had probably been a part of and seen many miracles of God where healings had taken place. And here he is talking about the very God moments that make him and God a good team and he says here that three different times he begged God to take this away. And each time, verse 9, God said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. And that's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, and the troubles that I suffer for Christ, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Now here's Paul, a key figure in the New Testament, one that had been a part of and seen many miracles of God, and it would have been very easy for Paul to go, God, you healed over here, why are you not healing me? And yet, it says here that he went to God, he asked for the healing, and God said, no. I'm using this in your life for my glory. And he took that and grabbed that and understood that. Now, what am I saying? In the, in the Old Testament, Moses got his attention and and, and God did what Moses asked. And then in the New Testament, Paul got God's attention, but God looked at it and said, this is not in the best interest of the kingdom. Now, that's, that's hard to understand, and yet, that's God. We go back to the Old Testament in 2 Samuel uh, David, who, who was a man after God's own heart, and yet we see how he was man like many of us. He, he messed up. He, he gets tempted by a beautiful woman named Bathsheba, and, and, and he falls to temptation. And when he falls to temptation, then he tries to work things out on his own. And in chapter 12, we see the results of him trying to, to fix things. So the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich, one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it like 
in his arms like a baby daughter. One day a guest arrived at the home of the rich man, but instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for a great feast. And David heard this story and he was furious. Now surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and for having no pity. And then Nathan the prophet said to David, you are that man. The Lord God of Israel says, I anointed you king of Israel. I saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's houses and his wives and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. And that's the key in these passages of scripture. God gives and gives and gives and And we have the availability of him and his kingdom if we would only, only stay plugged in. If we wouldn't be on that roller coaster ride like the children of Israel of being being godly and and being plugged in and then falling away. And how many times do we look like the children of Israel? Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Amorites and stolen his wife. Two evil things. From this time on, your family will live by the sword because you've despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. And this is what the Lord says, because of what you've done, I will cause your own household to rebel against you. I will give your wives to another man before your very eyes, and he will go to bed with them in public view. You did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of Israel. He, he looks at David, and he says there's a cost, like we've talked about, for, for sin and rebellion. So... David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you and you won't die for this sin. God knew David's heart. He knew the makeup of David as wanting to be a godly man. And Nathan tells him, Yes, but the Lord has forgiven you. Now, he's already told him that there's going to be some things happen. Nevertheless, because you've shown utter contempt for the word of the Lord by doing this, your child that he had conceived with Bathsheba will die. Now, after after Nathan returned to his home, the Lord sent a a deadly illness to the child of David and, and Uriah's wife. Now, David begged God to spare his child. He went without food, and he lay all night on the bare ground. He fasted, and he was praying. He went without food, and he lay all night on the bare ground. The elders of his household pleaded with him to get up and eat with him, but he refused. Then on the seventh day, the child died. David's advisors were afraid to tell him. He wouldn't listen to reason while the child was ill. They said, what drastic thing will he do when we tell him the child is dead? When David saw them whispering, he realized what had happened. Is the child dead, he asked? Yes, they replied, he is dead. Now, he had been fasting. He had been on his face begging God. 
What was he doing? He was trying to change his mind. The child died. They were afraid of what David's response was going to be. And look at 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 20. Then David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on lotions, and changed his clothes. And he went to the tabernacle and worshiped the Lord. And after that, he returned to the palace and was served food, and he ate. His advisors were amazed. We don't understand you, they told him. While the child was still living, you wept and refused to eat. But now that the child is dead, you've stopped your mourning and are eating again. And David replied, I fasted and wept while the child was alive. For I said, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast when he is dead? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him one day, but he cannot return to me. David's a good example. He, he did what he knew to do to try to get God's attention. Now, in this scenario, it was based on David's actions. And God had already told him what he was going to do. But David was smart enough to not go crazy and be pushed to a further extreme and he realized that what happened was his, his fault. And when the child died, he worshiped God. Now, there's no way I'm comparing Tom's death to what happened here, only in the sense that it caused me, my wife, some of our staff, our leaders to... Go, we've been praying for a miracle. Why hadn't God answered? I shared last Sunday, and I'm not going to go into all those scriptures, but last Sunday before I got the call to go to the hospital, I was studying scriptures about trust. I was studying scriptures about faith. And in my game room at my house, I was questioning, God, who are those scriptures for? Is it for one person? Is it for the staff, is it for a group of people? Is it for a home group? Who, who's those scriptures for? I wondered that. About trust, staying plugged in, about having faith. And as I was studying, the phone rang, and it was the call to come to the hospital. Spent time with the family in Spartanburg and was driving home. And this is the gist of last week's story. It was as if, God tapped me on the shoulder on Interstate 85 and said, Jack, those scriptures were, were for you. Specifically, they were for you to, to keep your trust, to keep your faith, to keep moving forward because I've got this. I'm still God. And then later as night turned into morning and coming to church, I realized that not only were those scriptures probably specifically for me, but probably for many of us who had prayed for a miracle, wanting to change God's mind, hoping to change God's mind. 
And I can say this as honest as I know how to say it today. I don't regret saying that to God. And as his child, I believe that he understands. I believe that he loves the fact that as his children, we come to him with our needs, our concerns, our wants, our desires. Knowing that he's always faithful. He never leaves us. And even in the days when we don't completely get it, we don't completely understand, and even we struggle, believe that my Heavenly Father understands that. And that leads me to the last passage of Scripture that, that deals with all of this, pulls it all together in Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 26. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And as we were praying, as I was praying, I believe that the Holy Spirit was taking my heart and the things that I wanted and going, God, this is what Jack means. And then he was making sense of it to God in God's will. The fact that the Holy Spirit interprets our prayers should encourage us, should, should, should put a, a skip in our step and it, and it should help us even in our future prayers as we communicate with God on a daily basis. But it doesn't stop there. It talks about the Holy Spirit interceding for us like Moses interceded for the people and trying to make sense sometimes of our childlike gibberish. Verse 28, it says this, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Powerful passage of Scripture. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of his people. Now, Sometimes that's things that we don't like. When, when Jesus went to the cross, the disciples didn't like the fact that Jesus was going to be put to death and he was going to leave this earth. They didn't completely understand how that was going to provide salvation for us. And yet, they had to trust and they had to have faith. It's always easy to look back. And I know this, and I know Tom, I know Sharon, I know our church. While we still hurt, and while we still may not completely understand, we know that God causes all things to work together for his good. And one day, we will understand. Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 
31. What shall we say about such wonderful things as this? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? He's saying, look at God's love, and we see that in his son, Jesus. Who, who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Listen at verse 35. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or we're persecuted or hungry? or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death. As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. And no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. You see, in the last few weeks, we, we've seen death. We've seen life. We've seen worries, pandemic, virus, schools, government. A whole host of things. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Over these 10 days did I, Jack Phillips, pastor of North Point Church, struggle with death, with the death of a friend? I sure did. I talked with Mike Proctor. He did. Talked with my wife. She did. But I'm thankful that God's Spirit and God's Word has been able to Nudge me back on track to remember all of the times of God's faithfulness to where I don't completely lose sense of where I'm at spiritually. So today, if you've been struggling, I challenge you to go back and read these scriptures. I, I challenge you to go back and look uh, at last week's sermon, dealing with trust and faith. Because nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. And I'm thankful that he, he wrote us a love letter. 
I'm thankful that we have access to the Holy Spirit who guides, teaches, and even takes our prayers and says, God, this is what they mean. I hope and pray that his word, his spirit, encourages you today, helps keep you on track, and keeps us in this game of life spiritually so we can be a light to a dark world. That is my prayer. Lord, we love you. I'm thankful for scripture. I'm thankful for words that jump off a page and become flesh. And I'm thankful, Lord, that that you help us navigate this life when we're vulnerable, when we're weak, when, when we're unsure of ourselves. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit. And I'm thankful, Lord, that you are always there. To get us through, to guide us through. And that, Lord, we know that nothing, nothing, nothing can ever separate us from you and your love. And God, today we praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless, and I hope to see you next Sunday here at North Point Church. God bless. Amen. I love when the Jack's message goes along with what I'm feeling and what I'm wanting to speak on and sing about. And Lord knows we don't talk about it, <laughs> which is a God thing. And also, Lord knows I, I bumble around with the words to say, and then Jack gets up and says what I need to say, so, or I meant to say. But um, before I get into my... my the last song here, I want to uh, make an announcement for Carrie, uh, for all the Kids Point kids. Carrie has a promo video to introduce you to the new series. It's called Mystery Manor, which starts next Sunday on the 7th. And uh, she will have that uploaded to Kids Point Facebook page and North Point YouTube page tomorrow. So check it out. So that's a promo video uploaded tomorrow to Kids Point Facebook page and North Point's YouTube page. So go subscribe to the YouTube page. I should have this sermon up, uh, this service up there, hopefully by tomorrow morning, hopefully. Um, and also the podcast, just ways that we can share the message that God's laid on our hearts and um, just get it out to as many people as we can. So that's... Uh, our podcast, which is on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and then also YouTube, um, the YouTube page. So. This is called The Match. Between the magic and the madness, you show up like you do. And I'm caught up trying to reason, wrestling with every move. And my God, I'm wrestling with you. 
But still you let me see it through Within the distance and the doubting I've allowed to come between Perfect grace is poured out And your mercy is clearly seen It's like a struggle in a dream But I awaken used to blessing me More listening, less talking I'm limping but I'm walking Your touch leaves me with proof And more praying, less stressing In your name is every blessing Any doubt's no match for you Within deceiving and defiance that I get caught up in You arrive to point it out by calling out my sin Oh Lord, I'm mesmerized again To surrender is to win, yeah And more listening, less talking I'm living but I'm walking Your touch leaves me with proof More praying, less stressing In your name is every blessing Any doubt's no match for you I'm not letting go till I get your blessing. I'm not letting go till I get your blessing. I'm not letting go until I get your blessing.